Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we've got bands again. More bands. Thank you, Wizards, for giving us content. (laughs) For blowing up a format. Then we're going to get back into playing in paper. We're going to get more to like the start of the tournament. Yep. And then like... How to work through a game. How to work through a game in a turn. I don't know how much arena content we're going to have. We had... Was it Rob? Uh, put put in a lot of con- uh, put in a lot of uh, matches, but no one else did. Yeah, I did nothing but holiday stuff this week. I guess I was a bad podcast host and did not play any any arena for our arena segment. I I played uh, a lot of arena limited for some reason. Yeah, I haven't well, even opened the client. <laughs> I was winning, and then I stopped winning, and so I was less I was less useful then. Yeah. It was Roger. Roger put in a bunch of data. Thanks, Roger. One person came through for us. <laughs> anyway, if you want to get at us, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep, you can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us at show at casualtryhard.com. If anyone cares about standard decks, I'm yeah. still trying to like tweet standard decks. I'm, I am avoiding historic decks just because I think we've decided that that's not a real format. Yeah, especially since they basically announced that they're going to turn it into Pioneer at some point gradually. Like, Historic just doesn't have to exist. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be weird, though, when you have your treasure hunt deck and then (laughs) then you can't play it in Pioneer. Right. Oh, reprint. We're going back to Zendikar. Reprint treasure hunt. There we go. Yeah. I guess it works. Um, So I had an idea. Okay, what's what's the idea? I think that we should, we're coming up on, you know, our year anniversary. I mean, our four standard legal set anniversary. There we go. For the podcast. And hopefully our voice gets out there and talks to a whole bunch of people that we've never actually met. So maybe we can like meet those people kind of. Kind of. Coming up on the end of the year, I'd like to do like a Q&A episode. Yeah. I think you'd mentioned maybe in that like space between Christmas and New Year's. I know yeah. I'm going to be out of town for... The week of Christmas, mm-hmm. so but somewhere in there, like maybe a little bit before in the next like two or three weeks. Yeah, we'll have to plan it out. Yeah, but if you guys can start sending us questions, kind of about if it want to be about magic or not or, or whatever. Yeah, we will. Whatever you want to ask us, we will answer questions. Yep, uh, and hopefully we can use that as an episode or part of an episode because wizards ain't giving us nothing after. Uh, yeah, like this week or next week or whatever. Yeah. like the show's closing, so. Unless they ban more stuff out of Pioneer. Yeah, I don't, the announcement kind of made it sound like they're going to be hands-off a little bit, so yeah, they, we'll see. I mean, there's a player store coming up in like two yeah. months. It would be nice if people knew what the format looked like. <laughs> yeah, and could test for it. Yeah, and also, like, they are going to, it is Christmas time, they're all right. going to get their, like, seasonal magic card and then go home. Right, well, yeah, I mean, that's basically what happens. Like, we've been playing for a long time, and uh, every year roundabouts this time of year wizards basically closes for like three weeks or four weeks or something so they're not going to do much in way of like giving us things to talk about so i figured doing this q a show would be uh number one nice for our listeners because they can ask us some you know personal questions or magic questions or you know whatever they want to hear about number two it'll give us give give us an episode for when uh wizards close down yeah so 
Think of questions. You can, uh, if you tweet us, tweet them at us. Just tag us. Like we don't yeah. get so many tweets that we can't like right. find it if you tag us. Yep. Or email us, and we'll just like build a sheet, and we can work through them. Yep. Or send us a message on Facebook or whatever you want to yeah. do. Yeah, we'll we'll find some way to interact with you. Yep. All right. So. I came over. I've kind of been out of it today. Yeah. And I noticed I hadn't heard from you in like a week and I sent you a message earlier asking if you were dead. <laughs> I was I was not. I too got sucked into family slash holiday stuff yeah. and I was at work today and I thought, huh, I didn't go to F and M. Yeah. Like <laughs> like Monday. I was like, Oh yeah, that was a thing I could have done. Yeah. We rewatched all the the first trilogy of Star Wars movies and okay, I'm racked, w- racked presents and. So if stuff. you turn the TV right behind you on right now, I'm working through Rebels. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we did some important stuff. Yeah, very uh, important. So, but I was kind of out of it, and I came over, yeah. and James is like, "Did did you see the?" Band announcement and I was like what are you talking about <laughs> he was like the pioneer band announcement and I was like oh yeah like what did they ban and I was expecting everything a card yeah <laughs> and they were like no let's snow globe snow globe this format again yep and so here we are yep so they banned three cards they did the first is smuggler's copter yep they said uh, aggro was too good and copter lets aggro kind of cycle through their duds and find more gas like in the mid and late game um so they figured smuggler's copter was a good hit also kind of has some of the same reasons why they banned it out of standard in the first place it's it just, colorless and goes yeah, in every deck it goes into every deck i love the fact that like smuggler's copter occupies this weird space in magic mm-hmm. that any format it is playable in it right. is too good right and then there's just a bunch of formats where it's stone unplayable absolutely unplayable but like you it's either too good to be played yeah. or too bad to be played. There's no format where it's like the <laughs> okay. sweet spot yeah. or it's like, you know what? That was a good design. Yeah. There is no spot where that is true. I actually think that Looter Scooter is okay in this format. I don't know if I agree with this ban. I think that it might be that with Mono Black being so good. Yeah. And like, again, Mono Black is good because it's the only deck that gets to play like real disruption, disruption like yeah. th- with thought seize and like apply pressure and play like a reasonable set of removal spells yeah right like every other color would murder for fatal push right and only one color gets it yeah and so you have a bunch of like decks that don't get to play reasonable removal mm-hmm. and a deck that's like thought seize fatal push yeah and then the beats right and they were playing Night Market Lookout. Again, a card that we uh, roundly ridiculed as being draft chaff. Yeah. But when it makes your copter attack for four, mm-hmm. that's, I guess, passable. I mean, like, Looter Scooter is just a good beater in general, though. Like, even if you if you forget about the, like, rolling through your deck part of it, mm-hmm. you know, a two-mana 3-3 three, three flyer is, like, nothing to scoff at. Like, that's Delver territory. Yeah, I mean, it's basically... It's a clock. It gives all of your creatures haste as well. Right. Right. You play it and you're just like, whatever you play on two, you're just, well, on three, you're like, okay, yeah. now it gets to attack for three. Mm-hmm. Right. It makes your creatures bigger and hasty. So do you think that Lightning Bolt is the card? That's the line for Smuggler's Copter. If Lightning Bolt's legal, it's unplayable. If it's not legal, it's too good. It might be. It might be Bolt. I mean, there were. I guess there weren't enough path uh, 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 fatal push decks running around to yeah. 
Because when they banned uh, Smuggler's Copter out of standard... They didn't have Fatal Push yet. They banned it before they printed Fatal Push and Aethersphere Harvester, which I thought Aethersphere Harvester just read, like, eat, target, right. Smuggler's Copter. Pretty much. It costs one more mana, but if you're, like, on the play, mm-hmm. they play their Copter on two, you play your Harvester on three. Yeah. They can't ever attack you. Mm-hmm. And presumably you're playing Fatal Push or something. So I don't right. know if it just broke down that the black decks just killed each other's copters. Yeah, I don't know. And then you were like, okay, now we're just left with like tribal camp blocks. And <laughs> uh, I'm just going to get in there. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was weird. Like, and it's one of those things that was like only in one deck. Like right. aggro, I, I don't know if copter is the reason that aggro is too good. I don't think it is. I think the reason the aggro is too good is all the removal is trash. Right. So, right, okay, the mono black deck gets has to, like, put three more cards that aren't, or four more cards in its deck that aren't Smuggler's Copter that's going to get worse. Yeah. But I don't think that fixes the problem of a deck full of sticky threats and... Mm-hmm. Nope, I agree. And whatnot. So the second card banned was uh, Field of the Dead. Which I just realized that's the card I should have bought in foil today. Uh that's right. <laughs> That's right. It'll get cheaper now that it's been banned in Pioneer. Maybe. Because it's like... Kind... It, got, it got more expensive after it was banned in Standard. Yeah, but that's kind of like Oko. It, it kind of went... Well, I know. I was going to talk about why Oko got more expensive, yeah. but we'll save that for a little bit later on here. All right. So Field of the Dead, apparently getting paid to play lands is yeah. good. Yep. They're uh, wizards... Reasoning behind this one was that Field of the Dead suppresses mid-range and control decks. Neither of those decks can handle multiple free two twos per turn, like just for the cost of you know playing a game of Magic, like not having to do anything special. And they want you know they want there to be a mid-range deck and they want there to be a control deck. Um, so they said Field has to go. Yeah, it seems like someone could have play tested this card and figured this out. <laughs> Hey, man, I called this one. Yeah, you did. There were actual zero people talking about this card during spoiler season for M20. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks because there were a lot of, like, interesting field decks. Yeah, I really like the look of that uh, Golgari deck that I think Autumn Burchette was playing at whatever event that was. I mean, there might just be, like, a Golgari deck that you take out the ramp spells and you put in cards that do something. Yeah, yeah. And just play more like a rock deck. Yeah, like you might be able to actually play Grim like... Flayer or something. Yeah, like an actual like Golgari deck as yeah. opposed to like the ramp strategy. Because it was like... Because it just had Hour of Promise and like two other ramp spells or something. It wasn't like a ton of ramp. Yeah. I don't even remember what was all in it. It was Hour of Promise. There was one other ramp spell. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was like though. Securitus Root might have been it. No, I don't think it was Securitus Root. But whatever. The I mean, like, they have they had Explosive Veg. Why would you play Securitus Root? Fair. Veg- well, isn't vegetables basics? Well, I thought it was an land. Okay, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, like maybe you could actually like play like, you know, Lily and Grim Flare and mm-hmm. you're playing more of like a rock style yeah. deck or like a Jund mm-hmm. kind of deck where, you know, you don't just rely on like, I'm going to stick my land. Right. I see how this is a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I also I don't know if this answers like the control problem problem because like I think the black deck still can get under them. Yeah, I think so. And too. they get like verdict, and they're just like, all right, I'll bring back a scrounger, I'll attack, I'll bring yeah. back my blood soaked champion, mm-hmm. 
my gutter I'll, bones. I'll whatever. bring back my gutter bones. Like you have to kill everything three times. Yeah. So. Or have some sort of graveyard interaction that's unusable outside of that one deck. Yeah, like I guess like post board, you're like Esper, and you play like uh, Kaya. Well, you also have Leyline or Tormod's Crypt. Fair. Like or Rest in Peace. Yeah, I guess if you're just blue white, you just yeah. get you rest in peace him. Yeah, but yeah, it just seems like I think there's still problems in the format. Mm-hmm. But I, I no, think, I think there is too. I think you know Sam Black's been calling for Field to get banned for three weeks now. Yeah, he's like, it's too good, it's mm-hmm. too good, it's too good. One of the things in this little article that they released, and I really haven't been paying a ton of attention to Pioneer, but there's been like three or four Pioneer PTQs on Magic Online that they've released deck lists for, and I just haven't even, like, clicked the link to open them up. Yeah. And I guess the Bant field decks have been doing really well. There was one in top eight of the Star City Invitation, uh, yeah. Invitational. Yeah. Guy just drew no lands. I feel sad for him. Yep. But, Dylan yeah. Huckabone, he's a localish guy. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it's fair that the, the, the card is a problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe long-term you just end up with... Yeah. Just a bunch of field decks, and we remember how fun that standard was. Yeah, (laughs) such a long time ago—a month, right? (laughs) It was. It's like literally a month or six weeks since field was legal. It's crazy. It feels like a million years ago. It really does. And then my pioneer deck of choice getting hit with more and more and more (laughs) collateral damage. Uh, once upon a time, yep, is gone. Yep, they said uh, green decks in general were very dominating. Most of the multicolored decks in the format were green with other colors. Green was really like top dog for a long time between hardened scales or devotion. And they said the one thing that all of those decks had in common was was once upon a time making everything more consistent. So, got the axe. Again, I feel like someone could have play tested this card at mm-hmm. some point and been like. Huh. Free spells aren't always bad, right? No. <laughs> no, it's not like we've banned all of them out of modern. Right. And most, well, not all of them, I guess. Uh, mutagenic growth is like, hey, hold on a second, and gut shot. Gut shot. And then we The banned, packs are still legal. The pa- They're kind of free, and then they're kind of well, not. They're, they're free for a minute. They're free for a minute. <laughs> if you win the game in that minute, they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Poorly designed card. I hope they don't ban it in Legacy because I have four <laughs> foils in my deck and I'm buying cards around that being in my deck. So, yeah. great. Speaking of Legacy real quick, mm-hmm. did you see uh, GP over the weekend? I saw bits and pieces of the text coverage. Yeah. Uh, this goes back to why Oko is expensive because yeah. we got rid of Renin 6 and now everyone's just bug right. so they can play Oko. Yep. Hey, I'm going to play Miracles. With two Okos in it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, didn't like four color miracles or something win the thing? Bant miracles with two Okos and two main board. I'm pretty sure it was listed as four color. Was it? I think uh, so. With Veil of Summer. It may, I think it might have had like red cards in the sideboard. Oh, okay. I think it had Pyroblast and uh, Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast. Gotcha. In the, uh, in the sideboard. But uh, yeah, it had um, two Veil of Summers in the main. Woo. And two Elkos in the main. Very nice. Matt Sperling mm-hmm. pointed out. No, Arlax, I retweeted this. There were 79 spells in the top eight. Oh, yeah, I saw this tweet. 26 of them were from 2019. Yeah. Solid design year. Right. Yeah, like this is Talk like. Talk about power creep. Yeah, this is like 
I don't know, we're in like Mirrodin. Right. And it's like, oh, wait, all these cards are busted. We have to play them in every <laughs> format. Right. We're, we are like just, 2019 is just Mirrodin. Right. It's Basically. Like, oh, wow. Or like the Urza's block. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, lands at tap for 15 are, <laughs> are really good. Huh. We should maybe ban some of these. Yeah, who'd have thought? So after that aside. Well, I, I, aside to the aside, I kind of meant that, you know, we were talking about Legacy kind of being a dead format. Mm-hmm. 1,600 people showed yeah, up Yeah, 1,600 people. That's like twice, almost three times as many as showed up for the standard GP that we went to. Yeah. I mean, Europe does have a like a more vibrant mm-hmm. Legacy scene, I yeah. think, in general. Because I think some of the cards are like cheaper because mm-hmm. they they had a lot be. more like like they're for like they have foreign black border duels that right. aren't foreign to them right that are that are cheaper and <laughs> that like, they can read yeah and like uh the, like the like you know just like Italian legends were super yeah cheap here I bet you they were even more common in Italy right where you know they speak Italian <laughs> but yeah the like it was good to see sixteen hundred people show up yeah I think that you know. All the people that like bailed on Legacy will, you know, perhaps regret ditching their stuff. Yeah, I didn't ditch any of my stuff. Oh no, I didn't either. Yeah. Again, I'm doubling down on <laughs> foil cards for my uh, Legacy deck, so I can foil creatures, so I can get them with Once Upon a Time. There you go. You might have to splash white, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Knight of Autumn's a good card. It is a good card. So back to our band discussion here. Yeah, after, back to the band discussion. After, hey, if you're going to move from Arena and you want to get right into paper, I suggest Legacy. <laughs> yeah, Legacy, sure. Uh, fun um, interactive format. Fun inter- it, it is interactive for the <laughs> it, most it part. It is very interactive. For yeah. the most part. Yep. So this is a phrase that uh, many a modern player will uh, remember. Right, and, and it'll probably make their ears bleed. Yes. Part of the bands were for competitive diversity. Yeah. So they just wanted, like... They wanted to keep the format open. Yeah, because you know, if it just solidifies around like you playing, you're playing a field deck, right? Or you're playing like a monocolored aggro deck, right? It's okay. not going to be very exciting. Uh, Mythic Championship in February or whenever it is. No, it's just going to be like people trying to run over other people. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can see it. Like not wanting like green decks to just like take over. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see if this like works, but I think it's like. It's like any format. I mean, it's just like standard, right? They banned field. Right. And then immediately... Oko took over. Oko took over. Now, they've banned Oko, and I don't think anyone cares enough to yeah, figure out I, I what's so the, with the next de- what the next deck is going to be. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, fires decks, and there's people putting Cat Oven in the weirdest places. Everywhere, yeah. Doom Foretold. Yeah. With Cat. Yep. It might as well, right? Might as well. Hey, you can sack the cat and bring it back. Yeah. You don't have to play anything. <laughs> it's like sack your opponent sacks a permanent and then you drain them for one. <laughs> cool. Sure. But we're going to have the same thing in Pioneer, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to ban a bunch of stuff. Yep. And then there's going to be a best deck. Mm-hmm. There's always a best deck. And then, right, are we going to be in the same place where they're like, okay, we need to ban this? Or is it going to be like, oh, we have enough the best decks now? I don't know. They did say that they're um, going to start being a little bit more hands-off with the format. So we were ban, 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 two weeks off, ban. Mm-hmm. And the two weeks off were for the PTQ. Right. So people had time to actually like test. Yep. I would not be surprised if when we come back from 
like the holidays, yeah, that they do one last ban of things before the next Mythic Championship. Yeah, so like come back in January, mm-hmm. and like most teams get together two weeks out. Yeah, so like right at the first of the year, they're like, okay, here are the last things you want to ban. Mm-hmm. Now you have a month to like prep a deck. Well, and release a set. And release a set. Yeah. But, like, here, here's the Pioneer Bands. Yeah. Have fun. Have fun. Maybe. But there might not be enough tournaments to, like, actually, like, Yeah, I really don't know stuff what's out. coming up. So, the Mythic Championship 7, I had to look. Yeah. 7. Uh, I think it's 7. I wrote 7 just because I thought it was 7. I think I, it I, is. 7 sounds about right. Yeah. Again, they've A-plus marketing job, guys. Yeah. It uh, starts, like, Thursday? Friday? I thought it was on the weekend, but I don't know. I'll have well, to check. Right, but it's like three days, right? So it starts Friday? Oh, yeah, it must start Friday. Yeah. yeah. Great marketing, guys. I have no idea. Yeah. What? Super enfranchised player right here doesn't know when it starts. So what do you do? I, I do a weekly magic podcast. Oh, yeah. cool. So when does Mythic Championship start? Uh This week sometime? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what Mythic Championship is it? This one? I don't, I don't know. Is this a paper one or an arena one? It's an arena one. Okay. I think. Yes, it's an arena one. Okay. Because it's the small field, like 38, uh, 68 players. Okay. So, yeah. Good job, Wizards. Yep, nice job. But this is the last Mythic Championship. It is. Then we're going back to Players Tours. Yeah. One, back to Players Tours? Two back, players. Back to PTs. Back to PTs. Yeah. So we had a one glorious nine-month period of the Mythic <laughs> Championships. Right, they started, like, there was a Mythic Invitational was in, like, May? Well, they're still going to have uh, Mythic Championships on Arena, right? Aren't the Arena ones still called I, Mythic Championships? I guess so. So, they, so they're still going to do those? And then, yeah. I don't know, man. There's going to be too much stuff. We'll figure it out. We'll anyway, figure it out together. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, those deck lists are coming out Wednesday. By the time you hear this, they may already be out. A lot of people have just uh, been, like, Hey, Andre Strosky, play my deck on your stream. Yeah. Because he was like, uh, can I have some decks? And people were like, don't laugh at me. <laughs> and so I know uh, Jessica, Estefan, uh, Numat the Nummy, and probably a couple other people yeah. sent him their decks. So if someone out there is playing them right now Yep. I'm sure stream, if there's something super spicy, we'll tweet it out. Yeah. I think Jess was on Is It Flash? Mm-hmm. And Nummy was on... Teamer Wreck, okay. I think, which is a deck he's been playing on and off for the yeah. last year. So it's on brand. <laughs> All right. So we wanted to get back to the how to play in paper series. Yeah. Uh, last time we kind of walked through what you need before you actually play. Yeah. So we basically got you registered for the event. Mm-hmm. Now the event at like a, a smaller location. Right. Like if you want your first event to be like a GP. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> uh, but you can you can make that happen. Yeah. So we wanted to go through. Now you're in the tournament, mm-hmm. and now we're at the the pregame portion before you've sat <laughs> down to play your opponent. Yep. Right. And the first thing is, if you're in a big event like a GP or a PTQ, you had to actually write down all the cards in your deck. You had to mm-hmm. register your deck. Yeah. Um, some store level events, you need a deck registration sheet for also. Like uh, if you go to uh, like an MCQ 
or an IQ sometimes they make you do deck registrations. They usually do. Yeah. PPTQs they used to make you do deck registrations for. PTQs now. They don't do GPTs anymore, right? No, I don't think so. But they they required a deck registration. Like any any event that you're playing basically for an invitation to something. Yeah. Or more than like twenty dollars in yeah, store credit. Yeah, forty dollars in store credit, like you are gonna have a deck registration sheet. Yeah. So this sheet uh, at the top has like the name of the event, the mm-hmm. date, who designed the deck, usually the <laughs> internet. Yeah, basically. The answer is always the internet. Yeah, Twitter. the answer is always the internet, Twitter. Casual tryhard Twitter. Yeah. Um, the the deck name, if you're Cameron, it's always something stompy. <laughs> Infect is Phyrexian stompy. Eldrazi is spaghetti stompy. Spaghetti stompy. Along the side, it has a space for your last name, first name, and then your DCI number. Mm-hmm. And where do you find that DCI number? On that card that you got, and then put it into your phone under the contact DCI number. Correct. And then you're going to have your main deck and then your sideboard. So there's a section for the cards in the main deck, and then there's a section for the sideboard. Right. And you need to list every card with their proper magic card name right for every card in your deck main deck and sideboard and the number so if you have four planes you have to write four planes Planes. right if you have four lightning strike you can't just write four strike right you have to write four lightning strike currently there are five standard legal chandra planeswalkers don't write chandra yeah they don't know which one you mean right and you might be like well i'm not playing this one or this, like, the, what's the one on my deck? Well, they don't know. Right, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so you need to, like, clearly say that I want Chandra, Acolyte of Flame. Or Awakened Inferno or, yeah, whichever one you're Whichever playing. one you want. Yep. You have to write the full name and the number. Yep. I go through and I split my cards up into creatures, mm-hmm. uh, non-creatures, and lands. lands, and then I alphabetize them yep and list them out that way i sometimes even go for further to break them down by i alphabetize all the four ofs and the three ofs because i'm a weirdo but that so then i have all of them and uh, you go through and you do that i usually go by converted mana cost okay <laughs> i don't know why i do it that way that's just how i've always done it yeah that's kind of weird yeah so i i break it down like i alphabetize my four ofs yeah that way you know now so now you've like set all your cards out night in a nice orderly stack mm-hmm and then you've written them all down, and you can go back through in the exact order and make sure everything matches up. Mm-hmm. Because you want to make sure that if you have 60 cards in your deck, right. you've registered all 60 cards in your main deck. Yeah, so when we were at that uh, PTQ last weekend, weekend before last, mm-hmm. my round one opponent, as soon as we finished our games, immediately went to the judges and said there was a problem with his deck registration. Evidently, he had only registered 59 cards and had registered zero sideboard cards despite having a 60-card deck and a 15-card sideboard. Yes. So don't do that. Don't do that. So the the penalty for that is you get a game loss, mm-hmm. and depending on what the error is, they can right. like make you take the wrong cards out of your deck and Put replace them with basic lands. lands. Yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, so... If it's sometimes if it's something simple like you misspelled the card, they'll like kind of let it slide. If it's like not, yeah. if it's unambiguous, right, right. But if like if there's a lightning strike in the format and a lightning stroke in the format, right, 
like now it's ambiguous as to what which would one you stroke do. I have no idea. It sounds dirty. <laughs> All right, let's not think about that. Yeah, it involves a flash. It's just not good. Um, sounds like it came off a of magic Twitter within the last two weeks. Yes. <laughs> and then you're gonna do the same thing for your sideboard. Yep. And make sure you have the right number of cards in your sideboard. Mm-hmm. I've never got a game loss for. For a a deck reg error? Yeah, I have not either. Because I'm like super like paranoid about it. I go through the list like multiple times. Yeah. Um, we also typically go to like larger events that require deck registrations as a group. There'll be between two and six of us there. And a lot of times what we'll do is after we fill out our deck registrations, we'll like pass them around the table. And yeah, just like, say, count check- this, make sure everything's right. Another thing now is a lot of deck reg sheets for like GPs are now all online. Right. They won't actually take a paper deck registration sheet at the tournament anymore. Mm-hmm. So you get a link and you can go build your deck mm-hmm. there and you do this. I do the same process. It's just yep. you're doing it on a computer or your phone. Yep. Hopefully the night before. Yeah. And then there's going to be some sort of pairing to tell you who you're playing against. Yeah. It's, um, can be a lot less formal at a local game store. Could range anywhere from posted pairings to somebody hollering your name. Yeah, so posted pairings is it'll print out a, a sheet from Wizards mm-hmm. and it'll list everyone in the left hand column in alphabetical order. Yep. And then just to the left of that name will be the table that they're at. Now, some stores aren't going to have the tables marked and you're just responsible for finding your name and who you're playing. And, and then finding a table. Saying a name and yep. shrugging until someone like responds to when you say, Hey Bob, Bob, looking for a Bob. <laughs> and someone will be like, uh, Bob's the guy over there in the purple hat. And you're like, Cool, I know who Bob is. Yep, now. thanks, Bob. Right. And then you find a place to play. Other mm-hmm. places will actually have at sets of chairs, mm-hmm. table one, two, three, right. four. And that makes it nice, but a lot of game stores aren't set up like to actually do that. Yeah. So then you just go to the table number that is associated with your name. So you're like, yeah. oh, table seven, Brian Wakefield, okay. And you just go to table seven. Mm-hmm. And you usually, if you can, at, at a larger event, they're going to have the same like pairings piece of paper. Yeah, they'll just be a lot longer. It'll be a lot longer. They'll usually have them broke up into batches of the alphabet. Right. Uh, you should try to use the online pairings. They're about 50% to work in any given round. Yeah, and we're talking about like a Grand Prix now, not yeah, a, not an LGS event. Yeah, if you go to yeah. a Grand Prix, if you go to a larger event. Yeah, like or an Grand Open Prix, or Regionals or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're going to have the pairings will hopefully be electronic. So yeah. we told you about the Top Deck app before. Mm-hmm. If you set that up, they will email you. Their emails are sometimes a little late. Yeah, sometimes they're earlier than pairings actually go up also, though. Yeah, it, it's it's random, but yeah. but that's one way to get them. Uh, you can't always rely on it because you don't know if they're going to be early or late. Right. Most large tournament providers are going to have some software. Mm-hmm. It's like pairings.channelfireball and then yep. pairings.starcity. I think so. Yeah, are the well, ways I think you it's get a pairings. CFB events slash pairings or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But you can get your pairings yeah. that way, so... It's a lot easier than fighting through nerds trying to look at your tiny little name on four sheets of yeah, paper. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like 12-point font. It's, yeah. like it's easy to read. If you can, you want to find your opponent's name, mm-hmm. large event or small event. Right. Right. So then, like, if you go sit down at your table, you can be like... Are you Brian? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they can be like, 
no. In the case, one of us is not where we're supposed to be. Correct. Right. So I guess the other way to get pairings is uh, a lot of stores now will have TVs and they have like yeah they'll scroll pairings. It'll just scroll pairings. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that you can get them and you just look for your name to come up and it'll have the table number. Yep. This might be changing in the near future too. I don't know when it's supposed to roll out, but I believe Wizards is supposed to be incorporating a phone app into their event reporter so that it will push your pairings to your phone. Yeah. I don't know when that's supposed to happen, but... I will believe this when I see it. When you see it, yeah. Because didn't we get ads about it in Dominaria? Yes. And Dominaria was a long, long Teferi ago. (laughs) It was two Teferis ago. Yes. So, you've got your pairings. You've confirmed that you're playing the right person. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you need to decide who goes first. Yeah. Like, I've witnessed arguments about this. Yeah. People who do not understand how dice work. Yeah. Evidently, people don't know how dice work. The typical way that people decide who goes first Mm -hmm. is they will roll 2d6 Mm -hmm. and they'll do high roll. Right. Whoever rolls the highest combination of the two dice gets to go first. So key is, again, this sounds super, like, douchey, but you need to decide clearly yeah what your means of determining who goes first is before you roll before you roll yeah so if you're like if you just roll a six and then they're and then they're like uh we're doing high roll right now <laughs> so you'll be like hey you know you want to roll high to see who goes first or whatever yeah. and then you roll the dice and then they roll the dice remember your number yeah some people want to do odd or even yep fine some people want to do low roll I've seen improper fraction or proper fractions. Highest proper fraction. That yeah. is the Logan special. Yeah. Um, um, I've seen rock, paper, scissors. So there are th- three, I guess they're tokens or the actual cards. No, they're actual cards from un- unglued. Yeah. It's like rock, lobster, paper, tiger, scissors, something, something. And they'll just like scissors, kind of, lizard. Yes. Yeah, scissors lizard. That's yeah. it. And they kind of do like a three card Monty. Right. And well, usually they'll shuffle them up and set them out and then have the opponent pick one for them and one for, like, one for each of us. Yeah. So. That way the, the person whose cards they are doesn't, like, know which right. one's which. Yeah. That's fine. Sure. Whatever. I think it's... What's your preference? I always just do, like, high roll. I do, too. Like, I like I like it easy. I like that everybody knows what's going on. And, like, some people say if you do, what is it, odds or evens... It's faster. Because there's no chance of you getting like a number that you can't use. Whereas if you high roll, we can both roll a six and then have to re-roll. Well, guess what? We could have re-rolled in the time it spent for me to explain that to you. And you didn't even say, huh. Yeah. So I had to explain it again. So. Just just do high roll. Yeah, I think high roll is just yeah, easiest. It's way, way easier. Keep your dice on the table. Yep. We have witnessed people bully people over like... Not understanding that, like, right. doing was it like they high roll is not a statistically relevant thing? Yeah, the I, don't know. I like, was at a Grand Prix, and like the two people that were sitting down next to me spent the first 10 minutes of their round trying to determine what method they were going to use to determine who goes first. Like, a judge was called, like, just a judge be, was called, yes, again, uh, be a decent human, yeah, please be a decent human, it's being. fine. So the next thing, you've decided who goes first. You need to shuffle your deck in front of your opponent. Ideally, like seven like mass shuffles. So when we say yep. mass shuffle, 
it's you break your you you cut your deck and mm-hmm. you kind of hold it and you kind of push the cards into each other on their side. That's why it's, sleeves are important. Yeah, makes that easier. Yep. People usually do that over riffle shuffling. Right. So like I usually will split my deck and then like throw like top and bottom mm-hmm. and then mass shuffle and I do this a few times. You want to hold your your deck so you can't see the bottom and your opponent and your opponent can't see the bottom so you want to kind of hold it at an angle i've seen people like flip their deck over and like riffle shuffle it and i'm like well i now know what you're playing right now i know what hands to keep and what hands to pitch yeah that might be something that you're not thinking about but your opponent might be like oh i now know what to do yeah right so when you shuffle this is harder when you start like pros make a big show of this of like looking away like they hold it like Mm -hmm. you don't have to like just don't like stare at the deck as right. you like shuffle it. I, I try and I try and make a show of it. I try and look away, like obviously. Yeah. Just so that there's no questions. Yeah. Shuffle, and then you're gonna present your deck, mm-hmm. and your opponent should present their deck. Right. Ideally, at the same time. Ideally, at the same time. Like I'll present and like let them kind of do their yeah. thing. Now, when you present your deck, this is actually an important thing. Yeah. Your the- deck has to be legal when you present it. So right. what we mean is, if you have a sideboard. All the cards in your sideboard need to still be in your sideboard. Mm-hmm. All the cards that you registered in your main deck have to be in your main. Have deck. to be in your main deck. Yep. So, um, oh, that's something we didn't talk about. Yeah. Ah, see, things you're gonna forget. <laughs> but you, when you present your deck, you're presenting your legal game one deck. Right. And so at this point, you have your opponent's deck. Mm-hmm. I usually just will cut someone, just like split their deck in half and cut it. Mm-hmm. At like FNM, I do a lot of tapping of decks. I would just be like, "Yeah, your deck's good," because like, I know if you're gonna cheat me at an FNM, like you're a terrible human, and I don't really care. <laughs> if I'm playing somebody at the store that I've played multiple hundreds of games against, I will absolutely tap their deck. Normally, I try to go through the motions when I'm playing people that I don't normally play, just to kind of keep the air of professionalism. Yeah. But the flip side, when I go to a large event. I always shuffle my opponent's deck. I cut opponent's decks, and if you've given me some reason to doubt you, I will shuffle your deck. I, I just get in the habit of shuffling my opponent's deck every round when I'm at a large event. Yeah. And you're allowed to do that. Yeah. like that. And so anytime they search their deck and yep. shuffle, so let's say they use a fabled passage and they go get a basic land, they yep. have to shuffle their deck and present it to you again mm-hmm. for you to cut or shuffle. Right. And that is just to make sure that they're not some, like, sleight of hand right. uh, wizard that has, like, put cards on top of their deck or done any other kind of, like, shadiness. Yeah. Now, that sounds absurd, but that is totally a thing that has happened in the past. You can go watch videos of people yeah. doing it on camera right. in top eights of events yep. where, like, they will shuffle and you can, like, watch them, like pull lands from the bottom of the deck and stick them on top so the person's going to draw like a six land hand right. and have to mulligan. Yep. It's crazy and you should not assume every all your opponents are doing this because like that's just way too many calories and brain cells to burn. Yeah. But that Ma- is something that can happen. Professional magic now is a a very different beast than it was 15 years ago. 15 years ago it was your opponent was 100% going to cheat you. Right. It was basically NASCAR. Yeah, if you weren't cheating, you weren't trying. That's right. So, all right. We've shuffled. We've presented. We've decided who's going first. Mm -hmm. Another thing is you have to decide who goes first before you 
Before you draw your first before hand. Before you draw your first hand. Yeah, before resolving any mulligans. You have to know who's going first. Yep. So, like, Arena takes care of that. It's like, you're going first. Here's yep. a hand. Yeah. Right? Well, in, in best of one, it says you're going first. Here's a hand. In best of three, if you won the die roll or whatever, it, it asks you if you want to play or draw first. And then, yeah. yeah. So, it takes care of that for you. Yep. Where here, you're going to do the same thing, but you're doing it. You know, analog, old-timey mm-hmm. style. That's right. There is one more thing that we glossed over, though. Okay. After you determine who goes first, you then have to resolve mulligans, right? Mm-hmm. So the person who is playing first gets to decide if they're keeping their hand first. Okay. Right? I definitely don't do this right. Oh, okay. I, I always make sure to do it this way. Okay. I, your way is the more right way. Yeah. Like I'll just snap off and be like, "Yeah, I'm all getting this." Well, I mean, you can you can gain information by doing it this way, though. Yeah, you can. So the the person who's going to be going first has to decide if they're keeping their hand first or not. Keeping their seven. And each subsequent mulligan. Each like, subsequent. If so. you both mulligan, they have to decide first again, and you can get information based off of that. Like if you're going second and your opponent mulligans, you can say, "Okay, well, I have this seven card hand here." Am I okay with a seven-card hand with my opponent on six cards? I have one land in a thought seize. I'm probably fine. Right. Or like, oh no, I I don't think I can. I still don't think I can keep this. Yeah. So so the way that it works is, you know, we'll say Brian's going first and James is going second. Um, and I'll be like, okay, we both draw. We both draw and our I'll seven. I'll be like, mm, I'll keep. Okay. And then I will look at my hand. And I, I mean, you can be looking at your hand, but yeah. then I'll say, okay, I'll keep. There are some people that like take this to like what I think is an idiotic extreme, where they won't even pick up their cards. Yeah, until I've seen people do until this. you've like decided if you're going to keep them all. Now, like at GPS, mm-hmm. I have like agonized, yeah, over hands that I'm a hundred percent sending back, right? And just been like, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mulligan mine." I'm like. Yeah, I guess I will too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's no land, no or action. Or vice versa. If I have a snap keep, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. So It's risky. Yeah. No, this hand's great. <laughs> yeah. But again, that's something that you don't get in arena right. is like that kind of like gainsmanship in person. Yeah. The not enough saying like, don't like act a fool. You're not trying to get an Academy Award here. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you, you can get things. But yeah, you've got to decide the order for mulligans. Yep. Let's kind of go through, I don't know how much detail we can get into, uh, but let's go into like navigating a turn. Okay. So the first turn of the game is different than every other turn. It is. Right? There's two things that are different. Well, the first thing is, is there's no untap step. Okay. There's three things different. So there's no untap step because you have no permanence to untap. Correct. And then... I guess uh, another thing is you have to announce any pregame actions. Yep. The ones right now that are pertinent for standard are the ley lines. Yep. And the scry sphinx, right? Yes. Sphinx of uh, foresight. Yep. If you have those cards in your opening hand, you need to say, I have pregame effect. So what you do is you resolve mulligans, you let your opponent do their thing. And it's easier when you're on the... uh, when you're on the play, because mm-hmm. you kind of like dictate the pace of the turn, right? And you can be like, okay, you're good. Okay, I have pregame effects, right? Right. When you're on the draw, you, it's a little harder because mm-hmm. you have to be like, okay, I'm gonna keep my hand, or like, okay, I'm gonna, we'll say like, I'll keep, or I'm good, or whatever. And you have to be like, okay, 
wait a second yeah. before you like play your land or whatever. I have free game effects. So you've got to try to like get it in there. Yeah, you, like you don't want to say it too early because that can affect your opponent's mulligan decisions. Yes. So th- there is kind of a fine line you have to walk there. You have to let them decide on what hand they're keeping. You're right. And then give them the information of here's my ley line. Yeah. Or here's my scryfinx. Yeah. It, it might sound kind of awkward, but a lot of times, like I'll see my opponent like start to play a land or something, and I'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're keeping that hand just to make sure that like everybody's yeah. on the same page. Yeah. And then at that point, you can say, okay, I have pregame effects or you know whatever. Yeah. Again, like at an FNM, if you're a little slow on the draw, hopefully your opponent's just like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Right? At a GP, if you're slow on the draw, your opponent's going to be like, no, dog. Yeah. You missed it. You missed it. Right? So like there's that fine line. Mm-hmm. And then if you're on the play, there's no draw step. Upkeep, mm-hmm. usually nothing happens in the first upkeep unless it's like Scryfinx, which says right. on your upkeep. So you have to like show the fin- Sphinx mm-hmm. and then remember like remember your trigger. Remember the trigger to scry yeah. in your upkeep or in your in your first upkeep when you're on the draw. If you're on the on the play, you don't draw a card. Correct. And then you get to the main phase. Mm-hmm. So you don't usually have to talk through any of, like, after you've resolved mulligans and yeah. you're like, okay, I'm keeping, are you keeping, cool, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go, or like, okay, I'm going to pull, and then you start, Yep. right? You don't have to be like, untap, upkeep, draw. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if it helps, you do it. Yeah, but, but you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, and then you play, we'll play your land for a turn mm-hmm. in your first main phase. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. So... You play your land, you play your spell, yep. and then after you've played your land and, and you just be like, you'll say, like, go. Right. Right? Like, some people, like, just kind of, like, meekly gesture at you. Yeah. Right? Like, be a person who uses words. Right. We spent, it's important to be clear. We spent thousands of years developing them. <laughs> like, just bust them out every so often. Just be like, you're up or go. Or, yeah. Right? So now you've passed the turn. So when, when you say go, mm-hmm. uh, or when you say like your turn, right. you're basically erasing the rest of the turn. Right. Right. So you're Unless saying. Unless your opponent does something. Yeah. You're saying like, hey, I have nothing to do until until you do something. So it's like hitting that little like arrow. Yeah. The one that says auto pass or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it will auto pass until your opponent does something mm-hmm. or it'll go to their turn. Right. On your first turn, if you've played your land and played a spell, more than likely you're just like, go. Unless you're playing Bowmat Courier. Unless you're playing Bowmat Courier. I was trying to think of uh, Tin Street Dodger. Sure. Right, But you pass the turn to your opponent. Yep. They're going to do the same thing, untap, upkeep. Now they're going to draw. Because mm-hmm. they went second. They went second. Main phase, land, spell, yep. probably. And then go again. Mm-hmm. Now, back to your turn. The first thing you're going to do on your turn is you're going to untap. The first thing. The first thing. Right. You're not going to draw your card. You're not right. going to like do upkeep stuff. Right. You untap first. Right. Now. All of your things. All of the things. Unless not like, they say otherwise. Yes. Not like your lands and not your creatures and right. not like just untap everything. Right. That is like a surefire way to tell if someone is like experienced or not. Or nervous. Or nervous. I've is, seen a lot of exper- like nervous experienced people like fudge up their beginning of turn sequences yeah. but like if every turn they're like drawing on their card then i'm then being like oh i should, yeah. I should untap my stuff and it's yeah. like 
Or like they go to combat and realize they never untap their creatures, but they've yeah. already cast four spells. Yeah, it's like, I guess that should be untapped. And it's like, yeah, we all know. Yeah. Right. And this is something that uh, someone at the store who had been crushing his son uh, was sad to find out. You can't miss your untap. You cannot. So if you like, you forget to untap your stuff, you just get to untap it. Yeah, it is something that just happens. Right. Like drawing a card. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. So untap happens, untap all of your stuff. The reason right. this is important is I don't think there's anything in standard right now, but like say during your upkeep, you have a card that says pay one or sacrifice it. Right. If you haven't untapped your lands, you can't pay one. Right. Right. So you need to have your mana available because mm-hmm. you might need to do stuff in your upkeep mm-hmm. before you get to your draw step. Right. Right, like let's say you cast a fabled pa- use the fabled passage to get an island, mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to opt in my upkeep for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Well, you need to have your island untapped so you can opt. Mm-hmm. So you do whatever you need to do. If there are things that say during your upkeep, do blah. Mm-hmm. So like doom foretold. Right during your upkeep, sacrifice soon, so you token untap. Permanent. That trigger goes on the stack immediately. Yeah, there's nothing that you can do before that goes on the stack because it says it's the beginning of your upkeep. Yeah, so like you untap and now that thing is on the stack. Right. You can respond to it with instants mm-hmm. or whatever, but you can't take it off the stack. Take it off the stack. It yep. is there and it will resolve. Yep. Probably. Probably. It has to resolve. You know, Doom Foretold goes away, it resolves. Um, isn't there counter a uh, triggered ability of uh, tail's end? Yeah. Sure. If your opponent has gone that deep, good on him. Hey, my round one opponent was tail's ending his Lotus field triggers. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. We broke it. Um, no. no, no, did not break it. He ended up with the buy in round five. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, thanks, round one opponent. Um, woo. Do whatever you need to do in your upkeep, mm-hmm. and then you get your draw step. When you go to your draw step, the first thing that happens is you draw a card. The first thing that happens. The first thing that happens. Yep. You can't respond to going to your draw step by doing anything. Right. You're like, draw. You would have had to do it during the upkeep. Yes. Now, it doesn't happen as much in standard, mm-hmm. but you or your opponent can do things in the draw step before you go to your main phase. Correct. The thing that happens most in standard is people playing Teferi, Time Raveler, and plus oneing, mm-hmm. and then casting Thought Erasure in your draw step. Right. But well, it doesn't happen that much anymore. It doesn't happen that much anymore. That's usually like the only time something happens in the draw step other than drawing your card. Yep. Right. Then you go to your main phase again. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say we have a creature now. Now right. we have a creature. We have a, we have a, we had a creature from last turn. We're good. Yep. So unless you need the mana for the turn mm-hmm. for, for that combat, ideally you don't play a land during your first main phase. Right. The general rule of thumb, and I think we've talked about this before, is you want to play everything. You want to give as little information as possible. Yeah, you want to play everything as late as possible. So you want to... So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to want to attack with that creature, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to want to go from your main phase to the combat phase. Mm-hmm. 
And now if you go to the combat phase, there's a pass and priority. And we've kind of right. glossed over this. We talked about uh, priority, priority before. Of, yeah. yeah. We did a pr- pretty good episode on that, yeah. which you should check out if you haven't listened to it yet. I think it was like who has priority or something. I think so. So you're going to go to your, your attack phase and you're going to give your opponent a chance to do something. Mm-hmm. Your opponent can't do anything on your turn mm-hmm. unless you have done something first or you've right. tried to go to a new phase. Right. Right, you going to a new phase is you doing something. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't do anything on your opponent's turn until they have done something. Right, or they try to go to a new phase. So you say, and so this is like the big kind of first shortcut that mm-hmm. everyone takes for granted that sometimes matters. Well, I mean, people shortcut the upkeep a lot too. Yeah, uh, but that is like saying go to combat. Yeah. So go to combat is you're shortcutting all the way to the declare Declare, attacker step. So in combat, right? So on arena, they actually stop it now, Mm -hmm. right? You go and you go directly into beginning of combat, beginning of combat. So at beginning of combat, you're in this spot where it's no longer main phase, main phase. So you can't cast creatures Mm -hmm. or, you know, Things without flash, but you haven't yet tapped your creatures and made them attacking. Right. So the, there are some things that matter here. Um, crewing vehicles, you can do during beginning of combat. Also, some creatures have beginning of combat triggers. So Goblin Rabble Master, or I guess Legion War Boss now. Uh, yes. At the beginning yep. of combat, make a one-one goblin. Yep. yep. Also, this is the point if you're the defending player that you might want to tap a creature mm-hmm. because now like you've used your mana and they can't play like a hasty creature mm-hmm. in this window. Right. Because you're out of the main phase. Right. So like giant killer, you'd want to use him beginning a combat or even tactician. Yep. The tap two creatures. Yep. So you do that here. Then you, but if you say go to combat, you shortcut all the way to, I'm going to declare by attackers. Mm-hmm. Now, like go to combat, like, make a goblin like is usually fine Mm -hmm. but technically if you have like a beginning of combat trigger you should be like go to the beginning of combat right so you have the space to do that Mm -hmm. so when we had vehicles that was like people would say like go to combat and they would jump all the way to declare attackers and and their vehicle was not a creature right right so you could be like you have to say like go to combat crew my vehicle like Mm kind of all in one thing or just like go to the beginning of combat Yep. And give yourself that space. Yeah, this is also, like you mentioned, Goblin Rabble Master makes a goblin during the beginning of combat. Goblin Rabble Master also says all other goblins have to attack. Yes. So in this beginning of combat step, this is where you would, if you wanted to use that creature for something besides attacking, this is where you would do it. Yeah, you make it and then you let it crew a vehicle. Right. Or you use it to cast a convoke spell. Right. So then when you are at the declare attackers phase at this point if you're in declare attackers your opponent doesn't have priority right and so they at this point can't tap your creatures correct right so what ends up usually happening is your opponent will be like go to combat and then you might say like people will be like well i'm going to tap two things Mm -hmm. right the I think the gentleman's understanding is we're at the beginning of combat. Yeah. But it can be 
especially in like high leverage mm-hmm. uh, tournaments, the go to combat and then you tap something. Yeah. Someone could be like, oh, I'm still in my main phase. I'm going to do something now. Yeah. Right. That person's terrible. Yes. But depending on the judge. I got nailed with that one once. Yeah. Depending on the judge, they may or may not yeah. fix it. So if you want to do something in the beginning of combat, like tap creatures, mm-hmm. if they're like go to combat, you can be like, we'll go to the beginning of combat. Correct. And then that gets you out of them being able to cast a hasty threat. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's semantics. Yeah. But now if they say go to the beginning of combat, or if they, if they say go to combat and you say, we'll go to the beginning of combat, they mm-hmm. can't go like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no, I, before no, that. No, 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 no. You've already committed to <laughs> going to combat. Right. Right. No takes these backsies. Yes. So this where you, so once you've got to now declare attackers, you've mm-hmm. done all your stuff in the beginning of combat. If there's anything you need to do, at declare attackers, you tap all the creatures that you want. You declare attackers right. all at the same time. Correct. It's kind of like poker where you're not allowed to do string bets. Right. You're not allowed to do like string attacks. You're not allowed to like attack with two things. See if your opponent flinches. Yeah. Attack with another thing. See if they weep, attack with a fourth <laughs> thing, see if they scoop. No, you have to like be like, okay, I'm going to attack with these things. Yeah, sometimes like if I haven't completely planned out an attack, but I've like gone to combat and I'm declaring attackers, I will like tap the guys that I know I'm attacking with. And and be like, wait a second, I've got to figure out the rest. Yeah, or like I'll hold a car, hold one of my other creatures in my hand, or like keep my hand on it as to show that I'm not done declaring my attacks yet. Yeah. So. I mean, I will go as far as, like, as I'm declaring the attackers, mm-hmm. I will line up the blocks. Be like, well, here's how they're going to block. Yeah. Am I happy with how this turns out? Mm-hmm. Or but how you think they're going to block. Yeah, how you think they're going to block. Yeah. Right? But you you want to declare all you want to, like, attack and be like, these are my attacks. Mm-hmm. So once you've declared your attackers, yep. your opponent gets to... Respond. Have a response, yep. Because you're going from the declare attackers phase, right? To declare blocks. To declare blocks, so they can cast spells there, and you can respond just like the the transition of any other phase. Yep. But at this point, it's too late to tap a creature, right? Yeah, you can't then be like, oh, oh, you cast Doomblade. Yeah. You baked my guy into a pie. I'm gonna attack with something else. Right. Nope. That ship has sailed. Right. You have to like plan like, well, if they kill my guy. Would I want to have this other creature attacking? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. So I should maybe plan for them to kill it. Mm-hmm. Right. So then they go to declare blockers yep. and they get to make all of their blocks. Right. And this is where they can assign double blocks mm-hmm. and they can. Or triple blocks. Or, or triple blocks or whatever, but yeah. they can assign all of their blocks. And we're not going to talk about banding. No. Okay. No. Or flanking. <laughs> um, or Bushido. Or Bushido. So at this point, you're, sometimes your opponent will be like, I will tell you when my locks are done. Right. Right. Again, usually not necessary, but sometimes people will get antsy and try to start casting spells before blocks are assigned. Right. Right. So this just makes sure you don't do something mm-hmm. out of order. Yeah. A lot of times when I'm playing a game and I see my opponent has, it looks like they're done making their blocks, I'll ask. I'll say, are these your blocks? And then they'll say yes or no. Yeah. And you can move on from there. Yeah. And once they've declared their blocks, if there are any multiple blocks, this is a thing that gets shortcut all the time. Yep. You have to order blockers. Correct. 
and you can do it. And so order blockers means, let's say you have a 4-4 and they have three toughness creature and a two toughness creature. Right. Right. You have to pick which one you deal damage to first Mm -hmm. and which one you deal damage to second. Right. So if they have a three toughness creature and a two toughness creature and you want to kill the three toughness creature, you have to to order it first. first. Yeah. So you go to blocks and ideally you like are like, okay, I'm going to order blockers, this, then this. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what will end up happening is that gets glossed over yeah. and you'll just be like, well, at the end you'll be like, I'll do three to this and yeah. and one to that. And you're supposed to do it beforehand. Mm-hmm. So if they have a pump spell, right, they know which creature to cast the pump spell on to save. Correct. So whatever there's a multiple block, you need to be like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Arena, like a window pops up. Yeah, it shows you. It you, shows you can you. picture that in your head too while you're playing your game. If yeah. it helps you like understand what's happening. Yes, yeah, so you can think about the arena interface. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I've learned a lot of rules is having watched people play on Magic Online. Yeah. I see the stack right. in kind of the arena slash magic online interface mm-hmm. of how things work. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but it works well enough. Yeah. Uh, I back when I played Rally and Standard, I used to like use the cards as the stack. And lay them all out. I would lay them out in the order that I wanted to resolve them in and say, okay, these are my triggers. Here they are. Let's work through this stack. Yeah. And that way you had something to go through. So you order the blockers, and there's no priority when you order blockers. You're Correct. still kind of in declare attackers, yeah. kind of like you're just bookkeeping stuff. Yep. It's like draw a card during your draw phase. Yeah, it's just something that has to happen. Yep. Then there's like going to damage. There's Which, a round of priority. There's a round there. of priority. Yeah. So you've attacked, blocks have been made. Now you have a chance to cast pump spells mm-hmm. or removal spells. Yep, or whatever you're going to do. As the attacking player, as you know, you have to make the first move. Yep. Right? So this is a place that newer players will mess themselves up. They'll be blocking. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, these are my blocks. Pump spell. Right. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> no, you didn't have priority to cast that pump spell. Right. Right now, I know you have it. Right, or you've already cast it. Right, I will do something in response now. Like kill it. Like kill it. So now you have not used your pump spell well. Right, and you want to be clear. Like if you're the blocking player, mm-hmm. this happened at the PTQ. Right, if your opponent like makes an attack and then kind of stares at you. Right, you're like, can we go to blocks? Right, you can. You can ask. Like, mm-hmm. are you are your attacks done? Have you done all your stuff? Yep. Is it my turn to do something? You shouldn't rush someone through, right. but you kind of get like the natural like flow of a game and having yeah. played, even played someone a few turns, you know like what their cadence is and yeah, if like it feels off. And, yeah, you can be like, can can we go? Can we go to attacks? And some people are just awkward too. So. Yeah, can we can we go to blocks now? Yeah, right. So you've ordered your blockers, you have your priority pass, and then you assign damage. Mm-hmm. First strike damage. Happens, happens first. first. So all the creatures that have first strike mm-hmm. are going to deal their damage first. Or double strike. Or double strike. Yep. And that damage is going to happen to the creatures and... To players. Players simultaneously. All right. the first strike damage happens at once. Right. And then all your regular damage and all that damage happens simultaneously. There's also a round of priority in between... In between first strike and... Yep. Yes. Yep. So you have... So just like on Arena, like it's like... Go to first strike damage, mm-hmm. then it's like go to damage. Correct. Because there's a round of priority in there. So you can yep. like, 
you know, kill one creature and then sack it to something, sack it to something, yeah. or you know, like I will, you know, I'll kill your creature with my double straight guy, mm-hmm. but he's gonna die, so I'm gonna sack him to the witch's oven. Right. There's priority there, and then you have regular damage, mm-hmm. and that all happens simultaneously. Right. So everything that would die mm-hmm. dies at the same dies time. at the same time and all their triggers if there are any go on the stack mm-hmm. uh all the damage taken by the players happen at the same time mm-hmm. if a creature has lifelink mm-hmm. it deals the damage and you gain the life at simultaneously the yep Arena does a terrible job at this. Yeah, many it just of you, does it. Many, but many of you have seen your opponent go to negative three yeah. and then to one. Yeah. Right? That's not how it actually works. Right. It's They never went to negative three. They just went to one, one. Because they took three damage and they gained four life from their four, four life linker. So yeah. they did not die. So that is how that works. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so everything dies, yep. anything intricate go on the stack at that point. Mm-hmm. And so if there are multiple triggers, the active player's triggers happen first. Mm-hmm. And again, we went through most of this during our priority episode. So we're not going to go as in-depth into yeah. priority right now as we did in that episode. If it's something that you're interested in, by all means, go back and check that episode out. It was a good one. Yeah, and then there is... So after all the triggers resolved, there's yep. this weird nebulous place. Yeah, it does exist. It's called the end of combat. Most people don't realize it exists. So you actually, after damage is dealt and everything goes to the graveyard, you go to the end of combat step. Yep. For the most part, this doesn't matter. Right. But Almost if, always it doesn't matter. But in limited a lot, there are cards that say... Attacking creature or s- blocking creature. Yeah, like deal four to an attacking creature. Right. Sacrifice, target player sacrifices an attacking creature. Mm-hmm. Right? So say they have two attacking creatures, you're able to kill the smaller one, and you can take the hit from the bigger one. Yep. Well, okay, now they only have one creature. Mm-hmm. Technically, that creature's still attacking because it's still in combat. Yeah, you just so, turned an edict into a removal spell. Yeah, so now you can be like, well, I can definitely kill this creature now. Yep. So I will use my spell here. Again, that comes up seldomly. Mm-hmm. Then you get back to second main phase. So mm-hmm. again, priority pass at the end of combat that usually gets glossed over. Usually you put your cards in the trash can that, that <laughs> died and you just go into the next combat. Well, in, hopefully in they'll go just phase. in your graveyard, not the actual trash can. Yeah, yeah. Well, these cards did me no good. <laughs> I guess they're gone. I guess they're gone. <laughs> Then you go to your second main phase, mm-hmm. and you work through that just like your first main phase. You're going to play your land, play your instants and sorceries. Yep. So one of the things that got asked in this is, like, do you have to announce when you're playing a land? Like, you have to say, like, I play mountain. Mm-hmm. No. Right. You don't have to. Right. You also don't have to, this is more of an etiquette thing, like, read your cards to people. Like, oh. newer players have a tendency to be yeah. like, I play... Tin Street Dodger. This is a one mana one one with yeah. haste, and I can pay one red mana, and it cannot be blocked except for, uh, except for by walls. Mm-hmm. And like, no, don't do that. Assume your <laughs> opponent knows like what these cards are that you are playing. Well, I mean, that kind of comes back to knowing your opponent, though. And yeah. that, that might be a little bit above or beyond the scope of what we're trying to get through here. But like, if I'm playing against somebody that I know is pretty new to the game. 
I'll read my cards to them. If I'm at a pre-release, I will try and read all of my cards at least for the first couple rounds. Mm-hmm. That way, like everybody is kind of on the same page. Yeah. And that's really like that's kind of what all this boils down to is that you need to make sure that everybody's on the same page. There can't be any confusion, there can't be like any ambiguity. Like everybody has to know what's happening. Yeah. When you cast a spell, you don't have to announce the the mana cost that you're playing unless right. it's like particularly like tricky like mm-hmm. You know, if you got a, a bunch of lands, you don't need to be like, you know, you don't have to like say it like I'm tapping mountain, swamp, forest for, yeah. right? You know, but if you if it's a card that's like, you know, Niv-Mizzet and you have a bunch of dual lands, you can yeah. be like, okay, like red, green, white, black, blue, mm-hmm. and tap all your dual lands to show that you have all the mana. Yeah. That's fine, but you don't have to do it for like, every spell i'm gonna tap three colorless yeah like adamant cared if you used the right colors man yeah color of mana so that mm. might be a point where you like would here's red say, red red yep but like if it's just like i'm gonna cast sarah angel three white white right like tap two planes and three other things we're good right the only time that i will not do that is if i'm purposefully like floating mana through a spell and if you're floating mana you have to announce what colors of mana you're floating when yeah. you float it yeah so and you're supposed to keep track of it on with pen and paper now. Yep. So if you're going to float a green, you have to like write down one green floating. Right. Yeah, you don't have to announce like everything. Mm-hmm. Like usually, Unless it matters. Yeah, usually you'll like play a spell and be like, you'll be like Sarah Angel. Yeah. And like, especially your opponent's playing blue to see if it resolves. So you always want to give your opponent like a chance to respond to your mm-hmm. spell. And they might say like, okay, or resolves. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so you've gone through your main phase two, yep. you go to the end of combat, or sorry, you go to the end of turn. Right. So the end of turn, you have the end step, end step, which your opponent or you, you can do stuff in or right. your opponent can do stuff in. Right. There are also a few cards that like trigger in um, the end, end step, step. Yep. right? Like during your end step, sacrifice this mm-hmm. or exile this. Your opponent will often do stuff in the end step. Mm-hmm. You need to be clear when you're doing stuff like in your opponent's end step. Right. So they know it's in their end step and not during your turn. Right. They might say, like, go to end step. And you're like, okay, in your end step, do thing, do thing. Kill your guy, cast yeah. an opt, whatever. Yeah. And then after end step, there's cleanup. And nothing right. can happen in cleanup. Right. Cleanup is like untap. Yeah. It happens here you remove all damage from creatures. Yes. Right? Arena just does this for you. Yep. You remove all your damage. If you have to discard a card to hand size, mm-hmm. this is where this happens. Yep. You can just like move all the way to discard. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, if you've discarded your card or like gone to clean up, yeah. your opponent can't do anything. Yes, kind of, depending on how sh- how awful you've been as a player. Like, if you just say, go to clean up and throw a card in your graveyard, like, you, you really didn't give your opponent a chance to no, do you anything say go to, on that you step. say go to clean up, and they're like, okay. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, though. Is like, you have to give them a chance to respond. You yeah. can't just say, go to clean up and slam a card in your graveyard. Yeah. And then, by all rights, you should unslam that card. Right. Right. But, like, 
if you're in cleanup and you're like discarding a hand side or whatever, they can't mm-hmm. like wait for you to discard your cards and yeah. then do something. They right. have to do something before before that. Yeah. Right. Because they can't do anything in your cleanup step. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you go to your opponent's turn. Yep. Right. And then you get to do it all over again. You get to do it all over again. But like being clear with like the mana that you tap. Right. To cast your spells is important. Like making sure you have the right amount of mana for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, being organized. Yep. Uh, a quick thing about like battlefield layout. Mm-hmm. This is you know something you don't think of. Keep things neat. As neat as possible. Yeah. In terms of like your lands, yeah. I try to like separate my lands. Yeah. Like when I'm playing like blue red, right? I've got four steam vents, four temples, mountains and islands, mm-hmm. and two castles. I try to put. The steam vents together, the mm-hmm. temples together, the mountains, the islands, and the castles. Mm-hmm. That way my opponent and me right. can see what mana I have. Yeah. And there's no fear that like I'm trying to sneak by like, oh, you don't have two blue. Right. It's like, no, no, here's an island, a temple, and a steam vent. Yeah. I've got blue for days. I understand what you're saying there, but you don't always need to like separate your duels. Like yeah. if you're not playing anything that cares about like islands or mountains, you can just put like all your red blue duels together, and then you can. all your plane or all your islands together, all your mountains together. What you want to do is you want to avoid like the the pile of lands. Yeah, right. The people that just like well either one will like stack all their lands together like in one pile, and you're like, yeah. well, how many islands do you have there? Yeah. A pile. Yeah. Like, no, like lay out the five islands so I can see them. Yeah. That is the number one way for me to check your lands is if you scoop all your lands up and put them into a pile and drop them on the table tapped, I am a hundred percent going to tell you to pick that pile up and lay them out for me so I can make sure you can cast your spell. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have like a kind of a messy pile of like lands everywhere. Yeah. Right. People are going to be like, did you actually have green for that? Yeah. Right. Where where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And you can just avoid that by having your lands neat and organized. Yep. You're allowed to ask. I had someone ask me, like, if you're trying to mill some out in, someone out in Eldraine draft, mm-hmm. you can ask them how many cards are in your deck. Correct. And they can count. Yes. Like, don't do this like every other turn. Right. But, like, you can be like, how many cards do you have left? Like, 12. Yeah. Okay. That is open information, though. Yeah. How many cards are in your hand? Those are things you can ask. Again, like, you know, try to, like, keep track of it. Yeah. Try to avoid, like, asking, like, every turn. Or multiple times during a turn. Yeah. How many cards do you have? Yeah. Five. How many cards do you have? The same five (laughs) I had two seconds ago. Yeah. But you're allowed to ask that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I draw my cards with my left hand, so I keep my deck on the left-hand side. Most people keep their deck on the right. I keep mine on the right. I hold my cards with my right, and I draw with my left. Okay. I usually put my graveyard behind my mm-hmm. library. Me too. So whatever side it's on, you just put your graveyard behind it. Yep. If your opponent wants to, like, you can do it on Arena. Like you can click on their graveyard and look through it. Yep. You can look at your opponent's look graveyard. at your opponent's graveyard. That is the hole in my game. I hardly ever look through <laughs> anyone's graveyard. Yeah. But they can look through your graveyard. That's perfectly fine. So what do you do with your exile stuff? I do one of two things. I will either turn it perpendicular to mm-hmm. my deck and put it under my graveyard. Yeah, that's usually what I or do. Or I will turn it perpendicular to my deck and put it in front of my graveyard yeah. or in front of my uh, deck. Yeah. 
so that it's clear that these are not yeah that these have been exiled yeah and like playing like kethis or like cards that, decks that require the graveyard mm-hmm. you have to be a little bit more mindful of uh how you organize your graveyard yeah just to be like clear like these are in exile right so let's say you're playing a deck that's like focused on the graveyard mm-hmm. and you only care about like creatures that are in your graveyard yeah. you can in standard pioneer and modern Correct. you can curate the order of your graveyard yeah be so like, you could pull all the creatures out and set like, them on top these are the cards that matter these cards don't like i've had like the three pile graveyard of yeah. like these cards don't matter these cards matter these cards matter for this other thing and right. then go through and do stuff you know it's clearer for you so you don't mess things up. Mm-hmm. It's also clearer for your opponent because yep. hopefully they know that the jig is up and they know what you're doing when you've right. like got 40 cards in your graveyard and you've got them in three piles. <laughs> like you're not leaking a whole lot of information there. Oh, yeah. he's trying to put cats stuff, out of the bag at that point. Trying to put stuff in his graveyard. <laughs> um, there are little tricks that you can do as well to like help you not forget triggers. Mm-hmm. The big one is when you have upkeep triggers before you draw. Yeah, put something on top of your deck. Put something on top of your deck. I think for the entire um, PTQ, whenever I had an upkeep trigger, you put your deck box I put on my deck, deck box on top of it. I just yeah. would pick up my deck box and sit on Because <laughs> like, I have watched people pick up the die on top of their deck and draw their card. Oh, I've done it before. Yeah, so have I. Yeah. But like the deck box, you're like, why is this deck box here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? That's right. You're not technically allowed to put stuff like on top of your like actual cards on top of your deck right right so you can't be like oh i have a spell that has rebound that means you get to cast it a second time yeah you can't put that card on top of your deck right at like a competitive rel event could you put it on top of a die on top of your deck maybe but i don't know i just know you can't lay it yeah. like face I think up on that's top what of your the deck. issue is is because the card could have been in your deck yeah but if you put something in between it and your deck yeah that might be all right i don't know i'm not sure about that yeah but you're not just supposed to say like this rebound spell is on top of my deck now right like no going back to the graveyard stuff like if there's like cards with flashback mm-hmm. you can set those out so you remember them or jump start mm-hmm. right so okay i'm not gonna forget this this has jump start yeah Okay, so when we go to Theros, whatever the uh, the graveyard mechanic yeah, w- is. What is it? Come back. Escape. Or... Escape, yep. Right, you can set your escape cards so you don't forget about them. Yeah. Because I have won and lost many a game because I forgot, like, mm-hmm. I had a jumpstart spell in my graveyard. Yep. I have two. Right. Like, you can't take it out of your graveyard. Yeah. But you can put it on top of your graveyard. Right. So you're like, oh, yeah, I have this. Or you, or you can could f- kind of like pull them off to the side. Yeah. Like, like still I have them in your graveyard. Like I but. have these three jumpstart spells and fan them out. Yeah. Right. Because you're not going to get that arena interface where it's just like, hey, It shows you that you can cast it. My cat flipped over and now my cat's over by my hand because I can do something with it. Yeah. No, you've got to keep track of that yourself. Yep. Like if anything gets complicated, you can like talk. You and your opponent can talk through it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Okay, in response to that, I'm going to do this. I'm going right. to cast this spell or things like that. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and like I said, that's basically what it, what it all comes down to is that both players need to make sure everything is clear and in the open and above board as much as possible. Um, just treat, treat your opponent like you would like to be treated. Another thing that we have on here that we didn't get to 
was uh, double check life totals when they change. Yeah. So this is when, a big one. So when you do something, you can be like, okay, I've got it fifteen fourteen. Right. And the number of like in like modern and legacy, the number of fetch lanes I miss is like yeah. infinite. Yeah. And I'm just happens like all the time. They're like, oh, aren't you at this? And I'm like, oh yeah, my bad. Like. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my yeah. fault. I will, uh, every single time life totals change, I will verify both players' life total. Yeah, and this is where, like, having pen and paper yeah. to track it matters because, like, I'm like, I have you at 18. You're like, well, no, I have myself at 19. They're like, oh, you had a, mm-hmm. I have a one and a one. I was like, oh, yeah, I did fetch twice. Or, yeah, yeah. you got in with your Lana War Elf yeah, or whatever. I play Jund a lot. The number of times my opponent has forgotten to mark t- down the two damage from Thoughtseize is astronomical. Yeah, so this helps mm-hmm. a lot. Yep, and just a couple other things real quick to recap. You should ask before moving to combat. Yes. Like before you you know declare all your attackers, you should say, move to combat. Yeah, or again, go to beginning of combat if yep. you do something there. Yeah. yeah, you should pause for a second before you draw your card just to make sure that your opponent doesn't have something they want to squeak in before you draw your card. doesn't have to be long. doesn't have to be like super obvious. Don't even really have to say anything. Just, Just make sure you pause for a second. Yeah. Like, like you know, when you say go to combat or go to whatever, like waiting for some sort of acknowledgement. Yep. That way you know they've kind of processed it. Yep. If you're going to take a shortcut, try and be as specific as possible. Like you mentioned, go to beginning of combat. That's yeah. a very specific point you would like to go to. Same thing happens at your end step. If you say go to my end step, that's a lot different than go to discard. Or go to cleanup, yeah. Right. So just be specific about what you're trying to do. Unless you go like way overboard and announce every little thing that you're doing, Like these are all things that people do. Yeah. Like Don't feel bad about saying go to cleanup or you know, pass turn like yeah, if you're not but, doing anything. But you don't have to go like untap upkeep draw my main phase you don't have to like do that yeah like assume some like familiarity with the game Mm -hmm. but like for specific points that you want to get to right you can definitely do stuff Mm -hmm. you have down here also like i think we touched on this like if you have a breeding pool you don't have to like be like tap this for blue tap my forest for green right right if you're casting a hydrid crisis you can go you know yeah Tap my the old pool. arm. Yeah, like <laughs> we've got a blue and a green and all the other mana. We're yeah. gonna go to town. Yeah, we're good. Right. So again, don't be afraid. One to call a judge. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you feel like your opponent might be trying to like do the land stack thing and like tap lands, they don't have the mana. They don't give them the right mana for a spell. You can ask. Right. Right. It gets confusing sometimes. It does. If you ever feel like, yeah, you know, like if something happens and you think you and your opponent says they won and you're not sure like stop and think about it before you pick up all your stuff yeah because you can't undo it i had my opponent the ptq ask me for four turns if i was at six and i confirmed each time i was yeah and they went and got a chandra yeah and then said chandra next six kill you and i was like i read chandra again and chandra was in my deck and i was like am i a creature or a planeswalker yeah no i was like okay you cannot do this. <laughs> Correct. So just like take a second. Yeah. Like I remember years ago, you had a game that you lost because your opponent flashed an Arresto Angel and blinked your creature yeah. or something. Yeah. And you were like, oh, I guess I'm dead. Yeah. And uh, Arresto Angel can't blink your opponent's creatures. Correct. Yeah. So 
you weren't dead. But right. you you like scooped up your cards and were right. like, yep, I'm out. Yep. And it's like, oh, wait, no. Right. So just make sure that like before you like make a decision like, yeah, this game's done and pick up your cards. Like yeah. take a beat and be like, is this game actually Well, kind done? of the same thing happened to somebody else at the PTQ also. Yeah. There was a life total discrepancy. There was a life total. Well, yeah, kind of a life total discrepancy where one person thought they had, had killed, killed their opponent and the other person thought that they were still at one. Yeah. And so, then cards were picked up. Yeah. And then we couldn't fix it. And then there's no fixing. Yeah. So just always take a second to think. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you don't have to go in the tank about, am I dead? But like, oh, yeah, okay, this all makes sense. Yep. I think that's the basic stuff of getting through a turn. Yeah, we- just like err on the side of being clear. Like, you don't yeah. have to be, you know, painstakingly obvious about everything. Just make sure that you're being clear. Yeah. Like, uh, you had an opponent at the at GP Richmond. Or was it Richmond? No, it was GPDC. Huh? That didn't say anything. Yeah, it was, was just like tapping your creatures or tapping his creatures. Yeah, he threw a card at me to indicate a pregame effect. Yeah, like, are you are you attacking? Are you convoking? Are you? What are you doing? Yeah, just just be clear. Even stuff like like a convoke creature, mm-hmm. you don't always have to be like, I am going to tap these four creatures and this land to convoke my Loxodon. Right. No, you can just be like four and a creature Loxodon. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, like those four creatures were convoked. This planes was tapped. We've cast uh, the Loxodon. Yep. Cool. I forget his actual name. He's Loxodon something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's not playable anymore. Um, <laughs> it's not Smiter. No, no. <laughs> it's, I, I, was, uh, I don't know. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Card has been lost to the memory hole. But like it's like it's clear that you've tapped enough things to make that happen. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something complicated, this is another thing, you can shortcut loops. Yes. So let's say As long as your opponent completely understands what's happening. And agrees to yeah. the loop. Yeah. So like if you have a a cat a, a culture familiar in a witch's oven, I had an opponent just say cycle cat. Yep. Which meant they were going to tap Witch's Oven, put the cat in the graveyard, make a food. Bring the cat back. Bring the cat back. Yep. So in that whole exchange, they gained a life and I lost a life. Right. And that's all that really mattered? That's all that really mattered. Yeah. So they'd just be like, cycle cat. Yep. And if they had like multiple ovens, they'd be like, I'll cycle cat twice. Yep. Like, okay. It's a lot easier than going through a step by step. Than like doing the whole like thing. Yeah. So you can, if you're doing a loop. Mm-hmm. You can say, like, I'm going to do this four times. Yeah. Or if you're making a bunch of copies of something, Mm -hmm. right, I'm going to make a thousand copies of this creature as opposed to, like, tapping the thing that makes the copies a thousand times. Yeah. It's like, we're going to do this a bunch. (laughs) All right. So, again, back to Digital Land. Yep. Real quick. Thanks, Roger. Thank you, Roger. There are only 15 games. Yep. Not enough for uh, a data to make. So I think I'm going to try to uh, actually play some, like, standard on Arena. Yeah. I, I need to get back to it. I haven't played in, like, two weeks now. Yeah, I, don't think. I would. I, like, put together some of the decks I tweeted out. I put together, like, uh, Abzan Cat that I sent out. That's, yeah. like, Cat, Doom Foretold, Trail of Crumbs. Yeah. Played a little bit of that. I somehow got sucked into like arena drafts and was like for like four days, like turning a profit or breaking even. <laughs> and then like for two days, the wheels fell all the way off. Yeah. 
and just could not like catch a break. And I was like, oh yeah, limited. <laughs> this is like, oh, I just didn't play like, like it's like, oh, I went like, you know, three and six in two drafts. I was like, oh, I think I played like two of the games I lost yeah. and then just did not function the other four. And I was like, thanks Ooh. best of one. Yeah. And then like, you just get punished. Like the number of like, you know, put pants on a ginger brute best yeah. of one decks or like, I'm going to play four ferocity of the wilds and like right. the double strike guy. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> this is not a real deck. Um, but yeah, I've now got uh, a play set of every throne card that can be in a pack. There you go. Yeah, I, Congratulations. I, I found this out because I opened a reward pack and got him got 40 gems for opening a mythic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there are no more mythics to open. <laughs> okay. I should not be playing any more throne drafts. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, like not a whole lot's been going on on Arena. Yeah. Again, I was in like vacation slash mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, be lazy mode. Bunch of holiday things to do and just really didn't have time for, for Arena this week. Yeah. So with that, I think we're pretty much done. I think so. Um, if there's any questions that you want to like ask us for, like that, uh, you know, oh gosh, what is it called? The Q and A show. The Q and A show. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet them at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email them to us. There you go. At uh, show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com. And, like, do this. I'm kind of stoked for this episode. Yeah. So do it. Also, if you don't think we address something in the communication thing or mm-hmm. there's, like, a, you have, a, like, a specific question. Yep. Let us know. and We can go back and try to address that. Mm-hmm. I'm planning on taking the, like, the, the part we did last week, last week and then this mm-hmm. on how to play in paper yeah. and kind of making it one like standalone episode mm-hmm. so that if you want to share it with a friend yeah. or like get it out in the world somewhere that you can just be like, hey, these guys went over like how you get through like a turn right. in paper. Yep. And here's everything from like picking your deck list and buying your dice to deck red sheets and shuffling and all that stuff. Yep. And so that way it'll be easier. And again, if there's something that you're like, I'm curious about how I do this, mm-hmm. we can try to address that and like tack that on. Yep. So uh, with that, I think we're done here, right? I think we're all set. We'll uh, catch you at FNM. <laughs>